Hello, welcome back to Falling Out. This is Elgin Strait. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2. I hope that you listened to Season 3, Episode 1. And if you did, you will know that we were at the very beginning of what I called a very uncomfortable conversation. However, upon review, it's actually quite comfortable because Yeb was a great person to have that conversation with. So thank you, Yeb. This interview dives deep into that specific topic of rebuilding your view of healthy relationships after leaving a cult like the Unification Church. And I noticed something when I was re-listening to this that dovetails with some other feedback I've gotten from the show. And that feedback came from someone who didn't grow up in the cult but had been listening to the show. And they, they said that listening to this show sort of sounds like therapy for me like I'm getting therapy when I'm talking to all of these people and I had never thought of it like that but I think that's probably fair like I learned so much in every conversation that I have with these people I learn about myself and how I relate to the world and I'm hopeful that all those learnings are relevant and applicable to people who are listening beyond just me but certainly I'm grateful for the uh, therapy that I've been receiving talking to these people. But the reason I bring that up is this conversation with Yeb in particular, I feel like might be the most fruitful of those therapy conversations. I feel like I learned more about myself in talking to Yeb than I have in any other single interview. So thank you, Yeb, for that. I also want to say that this interview dives deep into some of the ramifications of the way that we were groomed, yes, groomed as kids for the sexual relations that this group thought we were fit for. And I'm using that word grooming purposefully now because right now I'm recording this on the 14th of May. This episode will be released on the 7th of June. I have no idea what's going to happen between now and when this goes live, but it's safe to say that grooming fever has reached the the U.S., and it's part of this nonsensical assault on the rights of people like Yeb to merely exist in this world. And yet, as you'll hear in this interview, us kids who grew up in an extreme version of what the right wing would like to think is a pro-family values upbringing, we were groomed in that environment. We were the victims of grooming by this heteronormative cult. And there are many other heteronormative cults and religions that do just that, groom their kids. It's not fucking Walt Disney. It's not trans people. It's not the gays. It's the parents. They're the ones that are grooming their kids for, as you will hear in this episode, setting their kids up for a lifetime, potential lifetime of sexual assault setting them up for sexual abuse, setting them up to be raped, setting them up for suffering from PTSD and CPTSD. That is what these environments groom their kids for. And yet these motherfuckers have the gall to twist their own insecurities about the shit that they're doing to their own kids into laws that try to ban the existence of people like Yeb. That's exactly what's happening now. And In the three weeks between recording this and publication, I'm sure it's only going to get fucking worse on that front. And as someone who was drafted into the fucking political 
and money-making army of moon, which served to further the right-wing agenda and align itself with all the fucking cuckoos and crazies who are out there in the grooming fever and the much-related anti-abortion, anti-woman's right to reproductive autonomy movement that is growing in power. I just want to say that I'm sorry. I, my, my childhood was co-opted into contributing to that, and I am deeply sorry for that. Even though I hand on heart, I can say I was coerced into that, as were all of my other compatriots who grew up in this cult. But as there are many issues that involve people who come from or are sucked into cults, in many cases, the victims become the victimizers. And that's what we were co-opted into. And I'm deeply sorry to see the fruits of my childhood pouring into this environment of hatred towards people like Yeb, who just want to exist and live a happy life. And as you will fucking hear, have added a tremendous amount of value to my fucking life in a single three hour interview. So, yeah, I'm again, I'm sorry for any role I played in that, but I'm honored to bring you this part two with Mix Yeb Raven. So, okay, hit, okay, okay, talk to me, talk to me. You got to pop the bubble. You got to, I, I can't do it. I'm, I'm too uncomfortable on my, myself, on, on my own. You got to you gotta do this for me. Oh, <laughs> well, now you're putting me on the spot. I guess I was just, I was just saying that like, it's like, okay, so I'll give you an example. Okay. I was actually, and this person's going to know who I'm talking about. So you okay. can edit it out if you want. Right. It's hilarious. Right. Like I was having a conversation with another XBC yeah. uh, a few years ago. And I was deep into this question for myself, like, what the fuck like what is my sexuality like who am I really because I've known I've known a lot for a long time that I have I used to call myself bi when I was 20 20 I came out as bi and then I realized I was queer which is just like (laughs) questioning all the time but also like definitely pansexual now which for me means like I'm attracted to well, for me, my definition, not necessarily everybody's definition, mm. I'm attracted to people and I don't fucking care what their genitalia is. And I don't mm. care like what, whether they've had surgery or not, or they're taking hormones mm. or whatever. Um, but these kinds of conversations. So I was having just a conversation about sex and sexuality, mm. which is pretty normal, especially these days. Mm. Anyway, with this BC, I think it's normal. Um, and with this other XBZ and they totally thought he was hitting on them. (laughs) 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 And they they were like, they were like, oh, so this is where it gets weird. I'm not really interested in in that. And I was like, wait, do you think that I'm asking you to say something? (laughs) (laughs) And so it was like, it was that taboo. It was like, Oh, this person is talking about that stuff, so it might means that they're interested in me. Mm. Oh. And like that's how deep it goes. Yeah, but well, and this is the other thing is like, I, well, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm terrible at like r- reading those cues and yes. and or like like planting those cues myself. I am fucking horrible at that. Okay, um, so it could have uh, been that so too. It could have been yeah. that. It could have been that just to like play it from their side. Like, yeah, totally. It, it could have been Probably a was. complete like just. <laughs> yeah first of all they're like oh my god like like is this is this what they're asking me and then mm-hmm. they just their whole brain kind of like explodes um when that like <laughs> yeah um i 
Yeah. Like, um, I was like, no, dude, this is just like where I'm at in my cult journey. <laughs> mm. Like nobody ever talked about their sexuality or sex. I'm definitely yeah. not about transgender or like any sexuality that was oh. hetero. Yeah. You like, know? Yeah. Big time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it did, it happened in the church. It happened, but nobody talked about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I just, I, again, it's like, I don't even really entirely know like how to, how to navigate that, but it just feels like such a big, there's so much topic. Yeah. So much guilt and shame yeah. around that. And, and I guess, I mean, just, yeah, in terms of um, like the questions you were asking me, like I'm, I think I'm just questioning, I'm questioning, I, I think this is completely natural for anyone, anyone who's been through what, we, what we've been through, like, mm-hmm. just like, question everything from the ground up, like, we were told that, like, this is the model of human happiness, and this is your purpose in life is for a man to be asleep with one woman uh, for mm-hmm. their whole life, and like, and that's it, and and there's Unless no- you're Reverend Man. Unless you're Reverend Moon, then you know, you know, you can you know and you can have more cheese all you want. Exactly, exactly. But but yeah, for, for us plebs, the you know, the the peasants, um, we were not that wasn't it. And so when you leave, then mm-hmm. you you cast aside all of that. Um, but then but then what is what is left? And how right. do you how do you rebuild? after that yeah. when like when all of that is gone then what's left really um and these these are questions that i ask myself all the time quite honestly i'm still asking myself now like how what what do i want i don't i, I don't really know quite honestly uh and i think it's okay to not know and i think it's it's okay to to be honest about that and to also, I think this is really important is like what you want can change over time. Um, Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. when you're to your point earlier, what you want when you're 22 and your adult brain hasn't formed is probably going to be different from what you want when you're 35 or 40 or 50 or 60 or, or whatever. And, uh, and yeah. I don't just mean with regards to sex, but with, with regards to everything in life, but sex is a very like integral part of our lives. And mm-hmm that's your, your desires are going to, are going to change. Like, they're like, I don't know, people, I'm such a different person now from, from when I was 20 and anyone out there who's 20 years old, you're not going to fucking recognize yourself when you're 40. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. Or like, here's something else to think about is like, yeah. so there's like this um, stunted development in this area Mm. for people like us. Right. So like the questions that we're taught, like the things we're talking about now are things that people that weren't in cults were talking about and thinking about when they were in their, they were preteens and then teenagers. Yeah. Right. And they were figuring themselves out and they were, they were in that exploration. Yeah. You know? And so in some ways, like I'm just remembering the episode where, uh, you and Donna where Donna was like I'm perpetually 13 I'm perpetually 15 you know and it's like well yeah of course you are because that part of you was not there was no freedom for that it was completely shut down yeah you know and so I loved what you said about you know sort of like um 
well, first of all, like naming the shame around mm. it, you know, like that's sort of part of the process, mm. yeah. you know, but then it's one thing to say like, okay, like this isn't shameful. This is human. So it's one thing to like logically know that it's yeah. another thing to like actually feel it in yeah. your experiences and in your yeah. body, yeah. in our bodies. Right. And I think that is kind of almost a lifelong, yeah. you know, thing. Um, so I would say, you know, to, to people that are <laughs> just having these questionings now, like you were saying, you know, is to be gentle with yourself about that. Um, and also perhaps <laughs> if I may give a little bit of advice, mm. you know, perhaps as well as being gentle, don't take yourself too seriously in the first couple of years of you exploring and questioning your sexuality mm. because there's a lot of growth there and there could be a lot of change and you could want something totally different later. And mm. it's all, it's all okay. Like, yeah, like it's, it's all totally normal and actually kind of wonderful, mm. um, you know, part of being human that regrettably we were deprived of. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I like, I think, just on that i'm just thinking like some of the um just for people that are listening who are like i don't know just well yeah people who are listening who might be who might be still in the cult like you know question and have this idea that like if if they left then like you know if they had sex with someone they would fucking you know die like like get hit by lightning or whatever um like I'm, I've done that and I'm alive now. Uh, that hasn't, <laughs> that hasn't happened to me. I, um, uh, I have a great relationship with my son. Uh, I have a great relationship with my son's mother. Like, like my life hasn't fucking imploded from doing that. Um, and, uh, Would you say it's gotten better. Elgin? It has, this is the thing. It has a hundred percent gotten better when, as a result of me being able to, um, do the things that I want to do and not do the things that I don't want to do and do them with the people that I want to do them with. Like all of a sudden, like that, it just creates a sense of so much freedom in your life to be able to do that. And that's a sense of freedom that I wish everyone had. And unfortunately many of us don't, not just in this cult, but in many cults, but specifically in terms of my experience and I'm sure your experience in this call, there was such a point of control and guilt and shame. And I just want people to know that they're still in there, that like, there's a whole other world out there. And and I have to say some of my, um, some of the best experiences of my life, that the, the single most like joyful experiences of my life have been sleeping with people that uh, I was not married to. Uh, and you know what? I hope that they feel the same way about the experiences that they had with me. Uh, guess what? No one got hurt. We're, 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 we're all fine now. Like great fucking everyone wins. Um, like that's, it's, I don't know. It's a wonderful piece of being a human if it's what you're into. And like, they're just, I feel like there should be room for people to fucking do the things that make them happy. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to stop now, but. This, I don't yeah, know. may this you is... have wonderful sexual experiences with lots of enthusiastic consent. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's it. Right. Like I, and I, I'm glad that we're having this conversation. Like, I just, I just want the audience to know that like, there's this whole world there that like, doesn't have to be scary. It can be a wonderful like thing to think to experience. Um, yeah. And I think it's really an, an actually, the more I think about it and the more I hear you talk, like, I think that it's also really important, like to make the distinction um, about like the, so there's lots of, you know, there's lots of sexual oppression and repression. There's a lot, there is, the church does have conver- conversion therapy, yeah. probably does, still did when I was in it. Um, and, um, miso- you know, misogyny, um, like transphobia, oh, sure. homo- homophobia, like mm-hmm. all of those pieces are, are actually part of that culture, Yeah, <laughs> you know, like really deeply rooted. And so it makes sense like to have questions about that stuff. Mm. Yeah. Like it makes sense to feel weird about that stuff because that's what you were taught, Yeah, you know, to not be yourself in those ways, Yeah, you know? Um, and it's also like an extremely, it can be an extremely gratifying experience if you have a good experience, you know, a consent <laughs> mm. with another human being. And it's also like the way that the cult indoctrinates us or has indoctrinated me, like for me in my life, it actually set me up. I feel like it set me up to get into really dangerous situations. Oh, like, really? It, like because, it, it was yeah. Well, um, I'm skipping ahead in my story a lot, yeah, but basically okay. like, but basically like, because as a, as a person who was perceived, first of all, perceived as female, perceived as, as a woman, as a girl, and then what I should be doing, like, what are the expectations of that role, right? Um, that genderism. And then like those things, those ways that we were taught, like, you know, like that deep misogyny of like serving the father and like always being the one to serve even more than the men in the, Mm. in the cult. And like, even to the point with your own body, that your own body is not your own. And then what happens is people get out of these situations and they act that way with people that they get into relationships with outside. Mm. And so like that opens you up for rape, like that opens up mm. you, you up for sexual assault, mm. you know, because like for me, all my boundaries were down. Like I was taught not to have any boundaries. Yeah. Like basically, right. Like, especially women or perceived women in the church were taught to yeah. not have any boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. And so and you the- go out into the real world and you end up getting into places where people are like, Oh, I know that one, you know, (laughs) like, Mm. you know, and, and you're susceptible to predators, you know? And so like, I would highly suggest anybody thinking about um, leaving the cult to like really think about like um, their own sense of worth and value and Mm. boundaries before they go exploring um, relationships, because like what happened Mm. to me was I ended up getting I ended up getting raped like several times Fuck by all man. these like these different people because I didn't know that it was that I could say no. Mm, Jesus Christ. You know, like I didn't know I wasn't taught that. I wasn't taught yeah. that I could say no. I wasn't taught that I had any say in that capacity. Fuck. You know, I was taught the opposite. Yeah. I was taught you go with what the male figure in your yeah. 
you know, relationship says. And I'm sure that that has happened to many people in marriages too, like in the blessings, like how many people out there have had sexual experiences that they didn't want to have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very common. It's very common. I I've, I've done something I've heard of. Yeah. I had a friend who, so I didn't get blessed. Mm -hmm. I ended up leaving before that, but I had a friend who got blessed to somebody that, so she was a second generation and she got blessed to a first generation from Korea who had literally just joined the church because he was looking for a bride. Like he joined it because he heard that they were marriage trafficking and he totally took advantage of her when she wasn't ready, you know? Um, And I'm here to say that's not okay. Y'all that's not okay. You get to say no. Yeah. You get to have enthusiastic consent in those experiences. Mm. You are valuable in that way. Mm. And you're valuable in yourself and what you want and what you know about yourself and what you want matters greatly. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I think I suspect a lot of people who are listening probably need to hear that. Uh, something that I wish I had heard when I was a teenager, quite honestly. Uh, and I think most people growing up, growing up in this cult would, um, could benefit from hearing that. Um, do we, this has been an epic tangent and I kind of want to continue with it, but I also want to make sure we don't like lose sight of some of the other stuff that we were talking about. Um, Okay. But I'm also really enjoying talking about this. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's been so much. Like, actually, Elgin, I totally feel like when I was telling my story, you're like, oh, yeah, that one's been told. Yep, that one's yeah, been told. Yeah. But <laughs> this is, is new. Fine, but this, and, and oh, no, no, but, but like you, you were like uncovering like new layers of stuff that I already talked about, but this feels new to me. And I kind of like, okay. so what did. And I haven't really come prepared to answer questions to, to or sorry to, to ask questions on, on this on this topic topic either. But I do feel like yeah. it's a really a really important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so so can you can you talk us through like the the experience of being trans, but also specifically vis-a-vis like, like this cult, because that is, that is a crazy thing to comprehend basically. And as I alluded to earlier in this conversation, I just feel like it's a, that's just such an interesting perspective that hasn't been addressed here. And I would love to hear, so this is a very open ended question, by the way, I don't really know what I'm asking, but I just feel like there's so much behind that. Mm-hmm that I would, that I would just love to, to hear about and to, and to share with the audience. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't like, I was trying to think about in preparation actually for this mm. interview about how, like what choice points I could share yeah. that would be supportive, you know, in the continuing of this exploration and conversation for other people. Um, but I think I want to start with like this metaphor, I guess, which is kind of, I guess that's kind of cool because it's a metaphor I use anyway, but so like people that don't understand um, like being non-binary, for example, 
we're being trans. Not all not, not all trans people are non-binary, and not not all non-binary people are trans. By the way, okay. <laughs> and just so if you're interested in that stuff, definitely go and do your research. Can we just can we but, just level set on term on terminology there? Like like assume sure. like let's assume the audience knows nothing about about any about any of these terms. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> can can you help define those those terms that you just mentioned? Sure, but I'm going to define it in the term in the in the metaphor. I'll okay. try to. And then okay, sure, it sure, sure. Um, so what I usually tell people when they ask me about what what it means to be non-binary is, and so it's out, and I identify as being a gender that's outside the binary genders of male and female. And that's literally all that non-binary means. So like, I okay. don't identify with being a man and I don't identify with being a woman. I identify outside of that binary identification and so right. <clears throat> sorry can i that, just, yeah I, go ahead. I, I i know i interrupt too much but i just want to make a point there so for people that didn't grow up in this cult <clears throat> excuse me we um uh they showed us lots of diagrams to try to like prove moon's points and shit uh but one of them they use like the, the yin and the yang symbol to show like there's male and there's female and and there's female and then like they went through all these other like fucking layers of, of horse shit to try and effectively they start there with a yin yang of like male and female and then and then like 10 steps later they're like oh by the way uh, uh korean jesus is the is the is the messiah um but like it kind of it kind of starts there and i'm just thinking like with based on what you said, like, like that's sort of like, like foundational to the theology, yeah. right. Is like there. Yeah. In fact, I think there are places where they talk about like the duality of the universe, the male and female, they actually specifically yeah. say everything has a male and female component. And yep. so I, I just want to, I just want to make the point that like what you're saying, saying here of like, of like, like not, not being one or the other is like, is like so antithetical to the foundation of this this cult which can be kind of neatly summarized in this like yin yang symbol um yes Mm -hmm. yes it's it's a very like binary gendered yes (laughs) world so to grow up in a world like that where it's like okay so what i say let me go back to the non-binary so that's Mm, the definition um the trans part is trans being transgender kind of the umbrella of that often non-binary fits underneath that umbrella because it's all really trans means is just like you're outside of the the male female binary in terms of like your assignment at birth so like all trans really means is that when you came out of your parents and then in the hospital and the doctor said you're female or you're male Mm. you disagree with that assignment of who you actually are. Okay. 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 So that's why non-binary goes under that umbrella Got it. of trans, okay. Okay. but there are many different types of transgender people. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Um, and so, and that's different. It's, it's different also, again, like really do your research because this is, I mean, I could talk about this for like hours and hours and yeah. hours and still not scratch the surface of the understanding of this piece, mm. but, um, <clears throat> but I'll just leave it there um for now yeah and say that in my personal experience so people who identify as non-binary they have all different kinds of experiences as well in terms of their gender so some people i'll just give you two examples okay 
some people are very fluid and they say, I identify as non-binary because I don't always feel male and I don't always feel female. So a lot of times I feel both. Like, and sometimes I feel one and sometimes I feel like I'm the other. And so it doesn't make sense to say that I'm one or the other, mm. right? Um, <clears throat> that's like fluid, gender fluid, gender queer. Some people would describe it as that. Okay. My experience of being non-binary which is also uh, some other people's experiences is, um, and I'll quote Maya Kobabi, who's a, a, a famous um, gender queer person on this really awesome podcast called Gender Reveal. If you have any, if you are at all interested in this topic in questioning your gender, I highly suggest you check out okay. that podcast, Gender okay, Reveal. Cool. All right, we'll, we'll put a link anyway, to that this, in, the, in the show notes. Um, okay. Yep. This person says, let me write it down so I remember this. Yeah, thing. cool. Thank you. Um, this person says, I don't want to be a man. I don't want to be a woman. I just want to be myself. Mm. Um, and so when I talk about non-binary, being non-binary with people, I say, I basically feel like an alien because <laughs> mm. I don't have a category, <laughs> you know? And so if you can imagine someone who feels like an alien, who doesn't really fit into the gender norms that most of our society still adheres to the gender binary, right? You don't really, you can't really say what it is, but you just know that you're just you, mm. you know? And you take that person and you put them in a situation where when they get like me being in the cult, I felt like an alien to the outside world. And then when I got to the outside world, I felt like an alien as a cult survivor. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, feeling like the alien within the alien yeah <laughs> if that makes sense yeah you and know? i i think like at least for me <laughs> yeah yeah and i just think like, like i don't fit anywhere <laughs> is what my experience can, was in the cult yeah 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 mm-hmm. um sorry i cut you off what were you no well, i was gonna say at least like I, I think us kids who grow up in a cult not like we when we leave we don't feel like we fit in and even when we're on the way out we don't feel like we fit in but at least if i yes. if i if I go back to that silly, like, like yin, yin, yang diagram for me, yeah. at least I felt like I kind of, I at least fit within like one of the, one of the, the like, co- like quantum particles of the, of the <laughs> theology. Uh, I was like, I, I fit within, within that. Right. So I could, I yeah, could you recognized yourself in that. Yeah, in that, exactly. Um, diagram. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like what you're describing is like, is like not even relating to, to that. And like, and that, that seems deeply, deeply, I like difficult to deal with as you conceive yourself as a person. Um, because, mm-hmm. cause you're kind of like, you don't, you, you're well, like, especially with, with the growing up in a cult. And I, I don't think people who are outside or who grew up outside it will really understand how, how much even that like played a part in our lives of so this, this idea that like everything is male or female, everything like fits in one of these buckets. Uh, yep. And this is, it was like, literally moon said, like, this was like a foundational principle of the formation of the universe. It was like the law of gravity. Um, right. Uh, and for like, for me, yeah, I could, I could sort of feel like at least feel like I fit into one of those, but you're saying like, you, you like you didn't even fit into the basic yep. building block, the basic yep. building block didn't. Yep. Fuck Jesus. I was given a name that told me who I was supposed to be. And I didn't feel like I was that. 
I was supposed to be a girl. I was given a name that was like, you're a girl. And yeah, from the very beginning, I never felt like any resonance with that. I tried so hard. <laughs> I tried so hard to fit it. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Fuck, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think that describing that experience, that cult experience to somebody from the out, outside of the cult, um, if you said patriarchy, that would just like scratch the surface like yeah, you're saying yeah yeah, yeah. it's you know? like it doesn't quite it, no, 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 it doesn't it's like you're the patriarchy is like 10 levels above that core like sorry sorry to belabor this this analogy no, but no, like it's, okay. it's like it's like it's like the the patriarchy is like is like the palace that's built on top of that atomic unit of male mm. of male and female and so like you're you're talking about this like this extraction this extrusion from from and it, it's still like you know meaningful it's, it still means something that the patriarchy within it but like you're, you're talking about something that's 10 layers removed from the actual core fundamental founding principle which is like everything in the universe is one or the other uh, hetero fundamentalism <laughs> yeah okay that's not a term that i've heard before but yeah i just i, I just made it up yeah there you go yeah uh-huh. it's like the foundation of, yeah yeah totally yeah and it's yeah, like and it, it doesn't it doesn't cover the same misogyny either I and mean, that's like yeah. another level like yeah. misogynistic patriarchal misogynistic yeah like oppressive oppressed <laughs> yeah yeah um the opposite of expansive are you reductive I, I i i don't know but yeah it's just it's so it's so fundamental it's like yeah it's definitely fundamentalism <laughs> Yeah, that is a that's a thing, <laughs> you know. But yeah, like heteronormative fundamentalism, there can only be one type of relationship, and this is yeah. at the core of all our beliefs. Yeah, that a man and a woman are supposed to procreate and be together, and there can mm. be no other iteration of intimacy or sexuality, yeah, or partnership. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and yet, well, to your point, to your point earlier, like in in within that context, within within the church, we're going to be completely okay with like rape amongst our our oh, yeah. uh, our adherents, because mm-hmm. it was definitely a rape culture. Like, there's a term out there. If y'all don't know, yeah. it, look it up. Rape culture. Yeah. You no, know, it's like grooming somebody, grooming people to not say no. Yeah. when they feel like they don't want to do something yeah. in a sexual way yeah. is rape culture. Yeah. Yep. And that's part of the unification church's culture. Just, just want to be mm-hmm. like really crystal clear. Like yeah, unification church is part of that and they groom people for those roles uh, and mm-hmm. people get raped as a result of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, it was so like, just hearing, I, I did read Nansa Kung's book. Mm, that's a great um, book. Yeah. And it just like, oh my God, the, the sexual abuse. I mean, she, I don't think she ever actually had consensual sex once in her marriage. Okay. And she was marriage trafficked, mm. right? She like got married when she was 15. Yeah. Illegally brought to the United States as you were talking about the labor and marriage yeah. trafficking and yeah. like immigration you know yeah um, and and sorry just to just to be clear so I, okay i i i don't have hard data on this but i actually think i think it's it's 
it's highly probable that there are more people that listen to this show who didn't grow up in the Moonies than who grew up, who actually grew up in the Moonies. So mm-hmm. I just want to, for those people, I just want to be clear about who we're talking about. So, um, yeah, cause this name has come up before. So there's, um, uh, Nan Su Kong, uh, is a woman who, uh, was married to Hyojin Moon, who is, who is Sun Myung Moon's eldest son, or at least eldest legitimate son, I guess. Um, <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> that we know of. Uh, I mean, if he was having sex with the six Marys over and over. Yeah, again, I think I think that motherfucker <laughs> had a lot of, of illegitimate kids. But this is the one, the oldest son in the like so-called true family. Anyway, uh, as you have mentioned, uh, he uh, marriage trafficked and raped this young woman named um, Nanso Kong. Nanso Kong wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, called In the Shadow of the Moons, uh, which came out in the late 90s, which is fantastic. Um, if you're listening to the show, you should definitely read it. Um, and it, it details all of her experiences there, the sexual abuse, the, the Hyojin's fucking raging Coke parties, um, all kinds of shit. The money, like she talks about bringing like suitcases full of money everywhere. Um, so anyway, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a little bit of a wake up call for people who read it when it first came out. Yeah. Yeah. That actually helped. So that came out, I think it came out in 99, um, or maybe like mm. 98, 99, 2000. That was one of the things that helped me get out was when that mm. uh, And I think, I think Nonsuk has done a tremendous service to all of us who grew up in it uh, and other people who didn't grow up in it, but who were sucked into his orbit for whatever other reason. I think she did a yeah. fantastic service. Yeah, it's really interesting. It also really highlighted how unfair um, and how misogynistic our current world is still, or at least was in the 90s, and I think still is in a lot. I mean, for fuck's sake, like, America's almost about to lose our abortion rights, Mm. you know? Oh, yeah. But um, not to get currently political, necessarily, but, you know, the fact that she wasn't even able to get child support, hardly, from the moons. Oh, I don't remember that part of it. What the fuck? yeah from these rich motherfuckers jesus christ right yeah like like moon like disowned uh hyojin and like like in like said like i'm cutting him off financially and therefore Mm. he's broke and so he has no money to give you and your children um fuck man you know after he basically raped you and made you have all these kids like (laughs) yeah it's just i mean i think it's i think it's a really great it really yeah really like pinpoints a lot of things and it's interesting to like her perspective um her perspective is really it was really valuable for me because she often would go back to well this is what I was trying to do I was trying to be a good daughter of God and true parents and I thought surely this man even though he was doing all these horrible things to me if I listened to them because that's what your father told me to do you know um, and I want to, I actually, I'd love to say, share this because it really also highlighted for me, this other piece that is also, um, it, it's suggested in research that it's also, um, like a common result, like a common, like a common psychological factor with cult members mm-hmm. is that there's, so like in a cult, if there's often like, there's like, there's these like pillars of like what a cult is made out of you can look it up um Yanya Lalich is a great person 
<laughs> you she's probably a great author. She, yeah, yeah, I've read her. Yeah. I've read some of her books. She's great. She's fantastic. Okay, great. So there's like this charismatic leader, right? And I recently read this research that is that indicates that like what happens to cult members when they're as, as when they've gotten enough of the indoctrination, enough of the like I'm going to use the word brainwash. I'm just going to mm. use it like brainwash indoctrination. <sighs> Psychologically, they get to this place where they are effectively like have the attachment psychology with the cult member that we have when we are younger than five years old. Mm, I believe So going that. back to what yeah. I was talking about yeah, our formative that. years, yeah. right? Like yeah. we're learning from this. So like um, this particular research suggests, and I will, I will, I'll send you this, this okay. article, but that it brings most people, even people that don't have mental disorders, it brings most people into a state of borderline personality mm. disorder where they are like insanely attached <laughs> to the charismatic yeah. leader and will literally do anything for them uh, or do anything that they ask them to do. Mm. Um, and it's like a, it's like a temporary psychological state that the coercive control tactics that cult leaders use um, incite in their members, mm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Knowing that, like, and then like reading, so reading Nansuk, so back to Nansuk, yeah. um, reading her, her books and saying like, when she's writing it, you can tell she's reflecting, like, what was I thinking? Like, why did I, like, I don't know how I stayed in that so long, you know, but it was because of that, that codependent relationship mm. that was built, yeah. you know, that put her in that borderline personality. Yeah. And, and for her, it started when she was a kid, right? She was born into it like us, right? Um, I think she was one of the 36 couples. Uh, yeah, kids. yeah, 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 yeah. So she, yeah, so her parents got married probably like 15, 20 years before our parents did. Uh, and she's, yeah, I don't know, probably like that many years older than us, something, give or take, something like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like, I'm gonna like I'm gonna make it basic but so forgive me but like it's almost like when you get out of a cult you have a mental disorder that you have to like detangle Mm. (laughs) I'm not saying that everybody has that yeah but it's almost like saying that yeah you know um and then of course there's PTSD and there's complex PTSD yeah which are also so what do you know like what do you know about that and actually actually this is i i think this is this point of like you you get out but like you still have a mental disorder um yes and this is kind of i guess if i think about like like me and you know i just i just told you like kind of you know the, the short version of my story how i left like not once but twice but um i still know i you know Maybe I do, or maybe I don't have a mental disorder, but at the end of the day, I, I know like what I went through was, was not a, like a normal trajectory for development of my brain um, and, and my life. Um, and yeah, I, I'm still trying to figure out how that's impacted me. And part, honestly, doing this podcast is part of that. Uh, and, and, and I'm hoping that, you know, having this conversation, all these resources can help like, you know, multiply those learnings to you know, other people, but like, ultimately, like, I think part of the reason I'm doing this is like, is because I don't feel like, I feel like I have some sort of mental dis- dis- disorder as a result of coming through this. And 
I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but I know that there's something like a bit different about me and about all of us. And I'm, I'm hoping that we can, you know, put our minds together and try and like pick through that shit. And in, in yeah, way. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. And I want to be really clear that I'm not saying to, to everybody that you have a mental disorder. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> like I just want to, that is not what I'm saying. Wait, when you say you, um, do you mean the audience or do you mean me specifically? I mean, everybody, I mean, you and me and okay. everybody who's okay, listening. Cool. Like cool. if you're just coming out of a cult or right. if you're in a cult, yeah. I'm not saying that you have a mental yeah. disorder, Yeah. but or a personality disorder, yeah. but no, but it's, but it's about, it's recognizing, it's recognizing the damage that the cult did. I yes, think that's what it's exactly. about. It's not that yes. anyone is disordered. It's just, it's just, it's just saying, look, this shit fucked with you and you need, yeah. you need to, to take account of that and get, and, and, and give that the credit that it's due for what it's done to you in your life. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yes. And I think that's what exactly. you're saying too. Yes. Therapy is a great idea. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, but make sure that you're with a therapist who actually understands you, even if they don't have cult survivor um, education in their background, which I mean, that's ideal, but there aren't a lot of them out there. Um, Make sure that you are really like, try really hard to explain to them your situation. Yeah. Um, And if they're not willing to look into it themselves, then find another therapist. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because they have to be at least invested that much. Um, The. I think what you're speaking to Elgin and yeah. I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So let me know. Yeah. Um, but I think what you're speaking to is trauma, you know, like yeah. trauma affects us in so many different ways, you know, and um, human beings are really unique in terms of how we deal with trauma. I mean, and other animals, because we can, we can remember, mm. you know, we can go back. We can remember, like, that's what we're doing. Right. Mm. Like we can re-traumatize yeah. ourselves, yeah. you know? Um, and so, um, it's how we, how we deal with how trauma affects us. And that's what I mean. That, that's what I'm kind of pointing to with PTSD, right? Post-traumatic stress disorder or like CPTSD is complex. Um, it's, it's complex. Okay. It's like people who have had trauma, like over time, who haven't been able to get themselves out often have uh, okay. CPTSD. Okay. So is that the difference between the two? So like PTSD is sort of like the result of, of a more sort of like, like, acute uh, acute like set of stress inducing circumstances where cpst is is cpt cptsd excuse me is like 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 over over a longer period of time effectively is that it that's one of that's one of the key distinctions i mean it, it doesn't always work out that way but let me say this people with cptsd um are people that have like for example been in like situations in their family where they grew up with an abusive parent like the whole Mm, time okay yeah and they couldn't and their survival was dependent on that parent and they couldn't get out of that situation you know and that kind of tracks with our situation i I resonate with that a lot and i think anyone who grew up would 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 resonate with that statement yeah and that kind of trauma acts differently than people with ptsd it acts differently in their lives Okay. Um, so it's something to look into. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. I'm, and again, I'm, really... I'm not suggesting that you diagnose yourself, yeah. but sometimes diagnosing yourself can help you understand like, Oh, okay. That's why whenever I start talking about these memories, like I see my mom, like she can barely talk about this stuff. You know, she got glazes over and gets, um, gets dissociated, mm. you know, when she starts going into those memories because they're so traumatic to even just breathe mm. 
And is is that like a, is that like a known symptom of CP, CPTSD? Is that sort of and association? PTSD. And okay. Yeah, because you've been so you've been traumatized so much that even the memory of it freaks you out. And so one of the ways that mm. we that we deal with it is we either compartmentalize it somehow we distance ourselves from it. That's what um, that's what being dissociated means. Okay. It's like when you hear people say. Um, when I was in that experience, when I was raped or whatever, I was like, not in my body. Like I was like watching myself in that experience. That's, that's a dissociative Mm. response and it's a protect, it's protective. Yeah. Like we were able to go through a lot of that shit because we disassociated. Yeah. But at the same time, it's hard to process it then (laughs) later on in life. Do you think... I'm just thinking that idea of like dissociating and sort of feeling like you're leaving your body. Like when I was at a lot of the like workshops in Chungpyong, which you've talked about before, and some of these other kind of like high stress group, group scenarios and situations. Yeah. I remember feeling that feeling of like leaving my body. uh, And it it was, it was, it's hard to describe, um, you know, as any like strange psychological experience would be but it was kind of like I lo- I felt like I was like floating above my body and I could I could like sense and experience my body like floating below me um mm. and it just makes me wonder like maybe is is that just what was happening it was like an in, an in the moment like trauma response like just being yeah. like it does is that is that what happened yes you were you were protecting yourself so okay. you know about the fight or flight theory, right? A little bit, but tell me more about it. Okay. So when a human being or any animal actually is in danger or perceived danger, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it could be like the tiger running after you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's a side of tooth tiger. Your body shuts down certain functions, including your frontal cortex, which is like the logical part of our brains. Your body shuts down certain functions and puts all of that energy and all of that, like all of that know-how into getting away, right? Mm-hmm. What do you want to do when a tiger's <laughs> into, into protection? I should say protection. So what, what could we do if a tiger's running after us? That's a question. Sorry. What can oh, we do? So, um, you can try and run, but you're probably not going to get very far. Uh-huh. So that's catchy, right? That's flight. Like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's flight. We flight. Yeah. We could fly. Yeah. We could also fight. Mm. <laughs> Try to fight the tiger. The tiger would right? beat me, dude. I, I like a tiger would fuck me <laughs> up. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Which is why another thing that animals do when they're in that super like danger, danger um, spot is to freeze. Mm. And so and so like with the tiger, I mean, I'm going to play with this tiger metaphor, mm. but like with the tiger, like you might freeze and turn yourself into a ball, mm. you know? Um, so what happens when people are, so that, so that's one trauma, right? Mm. So that's like a trauma that, that, that could be potentially a traumatic event. That kind of thing could turn into something that you relive over and over, keeps you up at night, you know, creates intrusive thoughts. Oh my God, the tiger's coming to get me, even though it's mm. not coming to get you, you're dreaming about it, whatever, right? People that are in 
those types of traumatic experiences or traumatic inducing, because not everything turns into trauma, but people who are in those experiences for long periods of time and cannot get out, they do more than freeze. They shut down. Fuck, you just described me. Um, we, yeah. I should say we, it's me too. Yeah. We shut down because there's nothing else we can do. Fuck. And that's yeah. when a lot of times people dissociate because yeah. it's easier to deal with the pain of not being able to do something, not actually being able to protect yourself. It's easier to pretend that it's not happening. You just nope the fuck out. Like, yeah, you know. we check out. Yeah, we check yeah. out. Yeah. So there's a, there's a really great, and some people can YouTube this too, called the polyvagal theory that talks about how trauma lives in the body mm. um, and talks about that particular piece of what happens if you, you're in a traumatic situation and you can't get out of it and you have to stay in it and stay in it and stay in it because our systems and our nervous systems start working differently then. Because mm. if, if you're like able to get away in some way with a tiger, then you get out and you're out of that situation. Mm. And so then like our bodies can heal and like work things out. And I'm not saying that like it's perfect, but, but when you're in it, when you're in it and you can't get out, it's a totally different experience. Mm. So anybody looking for a therapist that doesn't know anything about CPTSD <laughs> should find another therapist, <laughs> especially mm. if you're a cult survivor. Cause that is what, so that, that, so that, that brings me to, you know, up quite a bit of my story okay which yeah, is yeah, that yeah please because of all this trauma so like you know sexual abuse whatever then I'll try to I'll try to do it fast uh, like like gloss over it a little bit but basically my dad was raising us in the, this environment where there was neglect and abuse neglect and abuse neglect and abuse then he met somebody in the church. Of course, he was always looking for another mother for us. Were they still technically married slash blessed at this point? But he yes, knew it was were. over with your mother. And so he was like, was still looking for someone new. Okay. Yeah. After trying years and years, he even uh, gave, um, he even gave her the, this money that his parents gave him to buy us a house. He gave her that money and she gave it to him to give it, give it to the, to the, the neo-Nazi. Mm-hmm. I rem- I have a memory of like going to this big house with my dad and my mom in the suburbs and being like, oh my gosh, we're actually going to have a house. And it was like so exciting. And then like, I didn't hear about it ever again. And it was because my grandparents gave $20,000, which was a lot of money at that time mm-hmm. to it's still a lot now, to be honest, it's like, still a lot now, yeah. but I mean, it but it was, was more than, but it was more than, then. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, sorry, I live in California and yeah. you live in London. So right. it doesn't feel like as much. That, no, <laughs> it's still like 20, 20 K would, it would, it would go somewhere. I, I would, I would notice that. <laughs> yes. But I take so your point in the, in the eighties or nineties, it was, it was a lot more. Yeah. 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 So she gave it to him. So, you know, the, so those kinds of things started to happen. My dad was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to convince her um, to come back. So he met this woman at the paper um, okay. who it turned out way later in life, we found had an undiagnosed mental disorder um, called borderline personality disorder. <laughs> yeah, I've, um, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, you've heard of that. Yeah, and um, we basically they they got the call, but so the paper closed down, and then like 1990, 1989, the Tribune closed down, 
And so all those people had to find jobs elsewhere. And at the same time, I think it was at the same time that Reverend Moon or that Moon, excuse me, I don't want to call him a Reverend. Yeah, no, no, he doesn't Moon. deserve that fucking title. No, he doesn't. Fuck I mean, that not guy. that I take much stock in religion. Yeah, it, anyway, it means nothing like, anyway. <laughs> it's just like three <laughs> letters, but fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. means something to somebody. And so I don't want to. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I agree. So. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so Moon. <laughs> So Moon, I think it was around that time that he gave the order to go and live with the family of your family, father's family of origin or something. Yeah, like to move back to your father's hometown. Yeah. Yeah, hometown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that didn't really fly for my folks um, okay. or for my dad and this new person. Um, so they got together, but they did not want my mom to know where we were. So they moved us all to Texas without telling my mom. Um, and we were then in Texas for the, like my middle school and high school life. I lived in several places in Texas. And your mother didn't, didn't know the whole time where you were. She found out later, but like, it was like year, like a year or two later. These, these family values, motherfuckers are just (laughs) like, this is the shit they do. They, they, they rip families apart. They don't let them know. Like, I mean, my assumption is you probably weren't talking to your mother for those years. If she, she didn't know where you were. Yeah, We were going and visiting her back and forth. You would visit her, but she didn't know where you were going back to. She didn't know where you were going back to. Oh oh, no, we we didn't visit her when we were in Texas. We would visit her when we were in in New York. Yeah. Okay. But then, yeah, they made a conscious decision not to tell her. Yeah, exactly. Across the yeah. state lines. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that that was church informed. I don't know for mm-hmm. sure, but like, yeah. I can only imagine. Um, yeah. But also being with someone who has like being a, a, a child of a parent who has borderline personality disorder is really, really tough um, because that those people are just, anyway, look it up. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're, you're, I, I know. I know some people who, who have it. I'm, uh, I'll just leave it there. Okay. It's, it's, it can it, be dealt with, yeah. but it's yeah. it's difficult to deal with. Yeah. Just want to add one thing here. Yeb wanted to add a little bit of further information about borderline port personality disorder post the recording of this interview. So here's a small clip from them about this topic, and then we will get right back to the interview. Thanks. I just wanted to mention that borderline personality disorder is not pretty when it's not diagnosed and not treated. And it can it can really destroy a relationship a family. And that is what happened with my family. However, it does not mean that these people are, people that have this disorder are untreatable. And there are many people that are functioning and able to be treated and live happy lives with families. Um, They just need treatment and help, just like any other mental or personality disorder can be treated. Trauma is like that too. There are many experts out there. Peter Levine is one that is coming to mind, as well as Bruce Perry, who say that trauma, PTSD, CPTSD, and CPTSD with proper care and treatment and time can be cured, or at least the symptoms can be significantly reduced, um, which can lead to the individual leading a pretty fulfilled life, including very functional job and family life. Yeah. And I know that other people have mentioned narcissism on the show too, like having narcissistic mm. parents. 
like it's very to me it's very clear that moon was a at least a narcissist if not a sociopath you know yeah like many other leaders air quotes in our you know world do you do you think your parents were narcissists i don't know okay i don't think that they were okay no okay um i think they were i don't know what they were okay <laughs> they were i I have a theory. I well, I, so if I think about my own family, I do think uh, I'm going to be careful what I say here. But certainly, at least one of my parents is very narcissistic, and and I, I think the very idea, and I think all of our parents have this idea: the idea that like we are the chosen people. I am one of uh, the yes. chosen people. I, I am yes, inherently yes. superior to everyone around me because they don't know the truth that I know. Th- there's a degree of narcissism just embedded within within that worldview and i think yeah. all of our parents had that you had you had you yeah. had to have it to be part of this cult basically I, I don't see how you couldn't without without having having a little bit of that narcissism there yeah that's a really good point so i mean a little bit of narcissism is totally a healthy thing mm. <laughs> i mean it's like yeah. having a little yeah. bit of a good like self-confidence know, in, self-esteem. A, in a way yeah exactly yeah but um but I'm glad you brought that up because I think it does point to, so remember how we were talking about the attachment? Like, it's basically like moon is our parent. I mean, mm. he put himself in the parent figure role. Yeah. Right. So our parents weren't really parents to us. They were all children of him, of his, just like we were. And so what happens in the, in the dynamics of a family with a narcissist at the lead as the lead head is that there are often the children often take on a lot of those qualities of the Mm. narcissistic parent. And so I do think that that happened to our parents. Definitely. I do think that my dad acted like a narcissist in in a lot of ways, for example. So they, and I don't think that he was actually like in his psychological makeup, a narcissist himself. So he took on some of the narcissistic qualities of moon but yeah. also, can I ask, um, by that same token, does that mean that us second generation are also potentially uh, like prone to to taking on some of the narcissistic tendencies of our parents as, as well? If that's like something that can that can come down through those levels? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what we were trained to do for sure. But yeah, I mean, I'm we were we were told we did that. <laughs> We were told that we were going to be saviors of the universe. So I guess there's, there's that. Yeah. That narcissist Uh, um, perspective was passed down in that way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I do want to say like for anyone, anyone who's still in this, in this cult, like you're not fucking special. I'm sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Like, like you're just a fucking person. Like just like, just like me, just like, yeah, like we're all fucking people. And sorry like you're not special just 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 saying um and that's a fucking hard pill to swallow um uh when 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 it's been been beat into you from a young age but we're all people we're all we're all people yeah it's kind of fascist right i mean like it is yeah telling someone that you're better than somebody else like so when i was growing up in texas like that was a huge piece for me because I was continually told, oh, you're a blessed child. I was also the oldest person in our community, like our oldest child. Yeah. So I 
was yeah. very parentified, not just in my own family, but in like, I took care of all the other kids. There must've been a lot of pressure on you at that, at, like being in that. I, I remember I was never quite that person, but I was always like a year or two below them. They, they were like, and I always saw them and like the, the community really kind of like mm-hmm. looked up to them. And I just felt like there was a lot of pressure placed on those people. Yeah. And they got labor traffic a lot too. Like there was a, a family who got three, received three offering children that were, that was in our, um, our group. And one of them, they received from a family in our group in our, when I say group, I mean like our, our church community in Texas, like we all went to home church together, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they hired me as their full-time nanny in the summer when I was 12, I think I was 12. What the um, fuck? They gave me a hundred dollars a week. I worked eight to five. I took care of. But why weren't kids. you in school? Oh, it was in the summer. Oh, in the summer. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it was okay. still like the whole summer. Wow. I was there from Monday through Friday. There was a little uh, half Asian, half Japanese, half American, white, I don't know, Irish maybe kid. He was like a baby. There was a toddler. He was like two or three. And then there was like another little girl that was like five and I was 12 and I was like cooking them breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like I was totally trafficked by that family. Wait, hold on. <laughs> you, you were working. Okay. So it was summertime. You're working like yeah. eight, like a full day. You're working for the full week and they paid you how much? You say a hundred dollars, hundred dollars a week. A week. These motherfuckers. Yeah. And they were a family who, like, they were also, like, really high up in the church. Like, the lady, I'm not going to say names because I don't know what they're doing now. Yeah. But, like, the lady was, like, this, like, a doctor for the moons or something. They gave she, everyone fucking doctor. Was she Korean? Or, wait, wait, did you mention? Oh, no. no, she wasn't. She was actually, okay. she's Mexican. But oh, she okay. had, like, um, these healing circles. And she had, like, oh, she God. would, like she did that like pendulum thing with the vitamins and she was always like sending vitamins to um, the pendulums and vitamins. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. It was very, um, <laughs> what's it called? What's the word I'm losing? New age. No, yes, I don't know. It's, it was it was very new, new age. age. Um, so, yeah. okay. For people that don't know about the pendulum. Okay. I'm going to tell you what I know about the pendulums, <laughs> but I don't know if I maybe, may, maybe there's different like pendulum methods, but um. <laughs> The pendulum method that I have become familiar with in the in the church, thankfully, this didn't happen in my family, but any other families who did this was like, you would take like a um, just like imagine like a necklace. You hold a necklace and it has a locket at the at the bottom of it, um, and you would like hold you would kind of hold it above. You might have like sort of a piece of paper on the bottom, and you and you would draw almost like uh, like a cross on the on the paper, uh, and that cross would create two axes sort of like a or imagine like a compass a, a compass rose like on a piece of paper like a, a north south axis and an east west axis on a piece of paper uh and you would say okay the east west axis means i need to do this in my life and the northwest axis means i need to do or sorry the north south ac- axis need, uh, axis means i need to do this in my life uh, or you, you, mm-hmm. you would and so you would then take the the pendulum and you you, you would take the, the necklace, which had a pendulum at the bottom, and you would just kind of like open it and like, like let it loose and let it start like 
finding its whatever natural equilibrium and that natural kind of flow eventually it kind of like circles circles around for a while but then eventually it starts either going like north south or east west uh and then depending on whatever that completely fucking random motion is you then you're then like oh the spirit world says i need to do this um it, it that's my pendulum experience is 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 that similar to your pendulum experience when when you say pendulums yeah, pretty much. And it's interesting okay. because it takes like, a, like there's, there are theories out there that talk about like listening to yourself and how yeah. like people use that for pendulums for that too, like in new agey, other new yeah. agey, like. Well, it's kind of like um, a Ouija board, right? Like your hands kind of guide it where you subconsciously want it to go basically. Yeah. 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 But I don't know. I always found it really interesting that they use that because it's like, I don't know myself. So like, that's like, like, it's like turning the, like, it's like the ultimate truth is like, it's always focused on what, you know, the, the cult leader wants. Mm. <laughs> it's yeah. not focused on, like, I'm not yeah. using it to gauge what's good for me or what I want. I mean, yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really messed up. <laughs> I, have, I haven't heard of this pendulum shit in a while. Um, <laughs> yeah first first time in a while yeah she was always doing it <laughs> she <laughs> did it for everything oh my god yeah yeah and then her um and then her her uh husband like was totally like giving me like man he was hitting on me hardcore really <laughs> yeah that was not fun it was just like very uncomfortable it was a very uncomfortable situation fuck jesus um yeah so when did you how did you not i don't want to like skip over anything but i also want to i want to like kind of understand sort of what led you to leave Mm -hmm. leave the cult and that's it's like a many could be a many faceted conversation but yeah i'm just kind of curious kind of like how you how you got there and i know we're skipping a few steps steps because no, we took okay. a few other steps before but i want to make sure we capture that yeah yeah i i have a, i definitely can tell you the story it's pretty clear for me i mean at least like how i got out and then of course the psychological journey is much longer mm, but yeah. um but yeah so like i was really afraid of the blessing um also because i i wasn't sure that i wanted to marry a man let alone get married mm. um and we also did that like taking you had mentioned something about taking pictures of second gems so we were definitely in that category where like i remember my oh. parents would like dress us up in like the korean garb the hanbok and the whatever and the <laughs> and like take pictures of us and send them to moon for um, so what so for the purposes of matching you or okay yeah matching and blessing or like he did something when I was like 15. Um, so this is like nine, nine, mm. Um, something about how like he wanted to know what the blessed children were doing out there. And like, oh, interesting. Kind of of oh, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear, I didn't, I didn't know about that. I mean, I knew people like when they were getting matched by him, they would send in these photos of them. It was, I don't mm-hmm. think it was in a hornbook. It was like, you have a photo of like an 18 year old dude in a suit. And like, oh, <laughs> like, uh, and wow. the, I don't know what, I don't know what the the women wore, but the men, yeah. Like they were just like, be like, kind of like a, uh, <laughs> almost like a, imagine like the worst fucking Tinder photo of, <laughs> of, a, of a, of a, of an 18 year old dude, like where just wearing like a, uh, 
so I mean, they had these like, um, they had these like requirements. It was like, you had to wear a suit. It had to be certain colors. You had to wear a certain color tie and they would just take oh. like a, like a, like a, like a, a front on like full body shot basically. And then I think they would do okay. one that was kind of like a chest, chest and head shot. And then you yeah. put that in like a, you know, like a photo, like a, a packet and fill out, some, fill out a questionnaire and then send it to them. Uh, but that mm-hmm. was like, specifically for the matching effectively it wasn't it wasn't okay. like moon just it wasn't like um you know papa grandpapa moon just wants to know what his blessed children are up to it, this was very specifically for the matching okay yeah so i didn't get there but i did get definitely get pictures taken of me and sent them and sent to moon okay. before i was 17 so i think i was like 15 and my brother was 14 um that's just maybe that was because we were an outlier like you know we weren't like there weren't very many members where we lived Mm. in texas so i don't know but um okay so being terrorized by someone with borderline personality disorder was a factor in our family for sure Mm. there was definitely abuse and stuff there so so that was something that was ongoing. And then being the eldest person in a church community, um, being expected to babysit for everybody and do everything for everybody, and then not, not really wanting to get married or blessed at all. And then being in public school where you had to pretend, I really mm-hmm. resonated with people, like you pretended that you weren't in the cult, but like secretly mm-hmm. I had the answer. Secretly, I was like yeah. the most special of everybody in that mm-hmm. damn school. And I was just trying to convert everybody all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. But then feeling. like, yeah. but then like my parents wouldn't let me have sleepovers or anything else. You know, like we weren't allowed to date, right? Of course, because mm-hmm. we're plus children. So like, it was a really weird dynamic. Like I had, so like what I basically did was I tried to get away as much as I could from that environment. And because my parents wouldn't let me do anything social with any of the other kids that weren't church members and everybody was younger than me. Um, I ended up getting involved in as many extracurricular activities at school as I could. And so I was in choir, I was in the Cathalon, I was in, oh. <laughs> I was in ballet, I was in <laughs> theater, <laughs> I was in everything. And um, so I was able to like, sort of like stay away from home, um, like for longer periods of time doing these like extracurricular mm. activities. And for some reason, I don't know why, but like education was actually really important in my family. Okay. Um, like my dad was like just such a bookworm. And I think that really kind of saved me in, in some mm. ways because I think they sort of, they held a little bit higher standard to education than, I, than I've heard a lot of, you know. Yeah, a lot anyways. of us, I, and I, I feel the same way in, in my family. Like I yeah. actually all things being equal, I actually had a pretty good education. I, like, um, and my, my parents actually valued education in a way that I think a lot of other people that I've interviewed, unfortunately, did not, they didn't have that benefit in their, in their home. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that, that from you, because it feels kind of rare in the conversations that I have, but yeah, I sort of feel like I, like, long story short, I actually had a pretty decent education compared to the really, really spotty, like, shady ones that a lot of people have had on this show Hmm. yeah so I think somehow that little bit of emphasis of education sort of translated into that we had to be perfect students Mm. 
um, in our school. And I, oh, and you know what else I think it was? I think it was because we were representing, like I was representing our fucking church, like in my high school, mm. you know, like in some ways. So like I had to have all A's. I had to like be yeah. best in everything. And I was like, I got rewards left to right and all different kinds of bullshit. But like, um, but what also happened was I had relationships with other kids outside of the church mm. and I totally fell in love. Mm. <laughs> I fell in love with this person and this person fell in love with me. And there's this whole, we had this whole like Romeo and Juliet thing. How old were you? Thing. Um, I was, oh gosh. Well, I think I like really fell for them when I was a freshman in high school. Okay. So I was 14, I think. Okay. But I didn't actually start, um, really pulling away from like the bless the idea of the blessing until I was 16. Okay. Um, and my dad kind of got wind and I never did anything. I didn't fall with this person, mm. um, until after I left the church, but like, um, but it did really like, I don't know. It was just like, it really just got to me. Like, how can I, how can I be meant for this other person when I have such strong feelings for this person in my mm. life right now? You know, like it was really, I mean, my hormones are just raging, I guess. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I wasn't in an environment where, I mean, I didn't have any sex, sex ed. And I remember in seventh grade, my parents were like, you can't go to sex ed class. Oh. And they pulled me out of sex ed class. And it was actually worse, Elgin, because I ended up having to play volleyball with the boys in the gym <laughs> while all the other quote unquote girls were having sex education. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's so fucking counterproductive. Jesus Christ. And actually, I, I, I have to say, I have to give my parents credit because they didn't take me out of all the sex ed. Like anytime sex ed was offered in school, I was there. I mean, first yeah. of all, like I actually learned some pretty valuable shit, but also I wasn't like the awkward kid who was just like not in sex ed and then doing what it probably wouldn't have been volleyball, but whatever. Like it just like just... <laughs> Oh, dude, that's like, but again, I like, I'm glad we captured that on tape because like this whole, this whole like realm of education, I feel like I could do a whole fucking season on education in this, in this fucking cult, you know? Um, That would be good. Yeah. Yeah. I'd listen to it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like to be in the volleyball gym and like the guys are like, I'll teach you about sex ed, baby. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like this person who's like it's not like, supposed to talk about that's it. like that's like a hundred times worse than the fucking like dry diagrams that you would see in the in the, <laughs> yeah. in the fucking sex ed class. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were like they didn't know they were actually traumatizing me, especially with yeah. the indoctrination that I had. Oh <laughs> like, man, that's horrible. Sorry. So, oh yeah, they, man. Okay. But anyway, but forward, fast forward to to me falling in love with this person, mm-hmm. um, and they were also in theater. So like, I ended up being in a couple of shows with them, and eventually, my dad kind of like figured it out. And I was like, "No, Dad, I'm trying to. I'm just. I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to convert him. I really think that. He's, <laughs> <laughs> I really think that he's gonna that old chestnut." <laughs> Yeah. And eventually he really figured it out. He and my my stepmom at the time. Oh, right. They were remarried in the church, by the way. Okay. Somewhere along wow. the line. Okay. So my dad did end up getting divorced to my mom okay. and remarrying. They I think they went to Korea and got okay. blessed. Um, yeah. 
so they were kind of rare because they didn't get matched they like chose each other and then they got okay yeah matched. that is rare that is rare yeah yeah it's very rare so anyway so i'm like madly in love with this person and then my dad's like no you can't see him at all there's no you can't but you know you can't see him at all and of course my heart was broken and then we started writing letters to each other because he was a little bit older and he went to college. So we started writing letters back and forth. And eventually, beef between all of the abuse that was in my actual household and my awakening sexuality, um, I ran away from home oh. um, because I didn't want to be blessed to someone, you know, and I, I was getting to that age. And so I ran away from home, but I didn't know anybody. So I ran away. I took my brother, my brother and I bought a car together with, with the money that we, that he's probably still has not forgiven me to this day, but I took our car and I ran <laughs> and I wanted to take them with me, but I just couldn't, they were too young. And so I ran away, but I didn't know where to go. So I ran to, I drove to another city that had another church family in it. Mm. Um, and of course they were like, you need to go back, you know? So I want to preface this with like, more neglect because my family was a fucking shit show in terms of abuse and all of the church families knew it. They knew that it was not easy to be in my family as a kid. They knew that we were getting hurt and nobody did anything about it. Mm. And so I ran away and I went to this other church family and they also didn't do anything about it. Mm. This was supposed to be like my best friend's family who was on PLA tour and all this other stuff. And I was there and they convinced me to go back. Um, And then this is kind of where the story gets kind of nice. Um, And then when I went back, I was like, I graduated high school when I was 17. And so I made a plan. I was like, I'm going to get the fuck out. I don't want to marry this person. I want to marry who moon wants me to marry. I want to be with this other person, not allowed to be with them. So in a way, my dad kind of did me a favor by being super strict about it. Mm Because it just like helped me. It helped me like kind of push. No, this is actually what I want. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I had the wherewithal to do that, but I decided that if I got into college, I could get away. Mm. So I did like all these college applications. I ended up getting a scholarship to this college in Austin. Um, Mm. Basically my parents couldn't say no. And they were like, you have to go to the blessing. You have to go to the blessing. And I was like, no, I'm not going to go to the blessing. Let me go to college first. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So my, so my plan was just to like get to college and then like never see them again, basically. Um, and so, um, but in that moment, like in that moment of like deciding, I was so torn because I really wanted to do what was right. Like I, to, to echo Nansa Kong's words, like I really wanted to like make my family proud. I wanted to do the right thing. True parents, yada, yada, yada. So I was torn. And then before, right before I, um, I can't remember if it was right before I ran away. I think it was right before I ran away. Um, I met with this the person I was in love with, like one time he was like, you got to meet me just once. If you don't ever meet me ever again. And he brought me this stack of research. And he was like, I just want you to know that this is the organization that you're involved in. And it was all this, all this research about moon and about how fucking love this guy. Fuck. I know. know. He's like my savior. Fucking legend, dude. We're still, wanna, we're still friends today. I, I want to get him on this show. Jesus, man. What a fucking legend, dude. What a fucking love this guy. He's actually a semi-famous actor, so it might be good. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's get him on, dude. Fuck yes. That's fucking amazing. But, yeah. No, but, but like, really I, I mean, I, I just like, like, that's, oh, man, like, 
I kind of wish someone had done that for me. Yeah. Cause I knew there are people who kind of knew what this shit was about, but I wasn't as close to them as what you just described. But like, it, it, I don't know. We've just been like, yeah, man, I, 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 I give this dude a lot of credit, man. Fuck me too. Dude, fucking legend, dude. Yeah. 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 He knew, he knew how to play it. Um, and so, okay. So it gets better. So, so this happened, but so I've gotten this research. I'm torn, but I'm like, and then I fucking run away. Then I get sent back. And in Texas, you can't run away. Um, you can't be out of your house until you're 17. Like your parents can come and take you back. Um, and when you're 17, you can run away and they can't come back. And they can't go and get you. I knew this somehow legally. Okay. So, so I was like, okay, I'm going to wait till I'm 17. And so they were really, really pushy. And then finally, after like kind of like figuring out what I wanted to do and like, I was like, you know, college, there's all these ways I can maybe get out, but I don't know if I should, whatever. Um, and of course, like, marrying the, I don't know. Anyway, the blessing was just like really, really scary to me. Yeah. Um, I'd heard about conversion therapy a while back too. So I like mm. never told my parents about my sexuality or at least, you know, who I was attracted to, what I was attracted to. But, um, but then, so my mom at this point, so throughout this time that I'm in Texas with this, with this mental, this mentally disordered person, this person mm. with a mental disorder and my dad, my mom has gotten out of the relationship with a neo-Nazi who she still doesn't know is a neo-Nazi, but she's gotten out of that relationship. She moved back to England. Um, she did tons and tons of therapy, was really like healing herself. And we would talk every so often. My parents wouldn't really let me talk to her. So I'd have to kind of like do it on the slide. I did a lot mm. of sneaking around about that stuff. But anyway, so I, so I, I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? They're going to send me to this blessing. Um, so I, I like sneak snuck out of the house. I was like, I'm going to go to the library. I went to the library at that time. We didn't have cell phones back then either. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, remember that. I, went to remember the library. That. <laughs> <laughs> I remember what I was like. Right. I didn't get a cell phone until I was in college, but so I get to the library and I call my mom long distance, England on a payphone, And I say, mom, I want to get the fuck out of this church. And you say like that, but I want to get mm. out and I need you to help me. And so she flies from England to get to my graduation. Wow. And she meets me at my graduation. She takes me and my brother and my sister away to like, we like stayed in this like really awesome cabin cabin on the river for like a week and just got us out of that environment. Wow. That was all she could do, but it was enough. It was enough Whoa. for me to know that she loved me, that she was sorry about all the things that she had done. And she was trying to make up for it Whoa. and trying to get us out. And she had all these conversations with us. She also, I, I learned at that time too, that she also, when she was getting her healing, she looked into to suing the, the moons. Whoa. She was involved with Rosedale, who is the same lawyer that Nansa Kong used, I think. Oh, wow. Um, but that, I mean, you know, that kind of went haywire because she was still with that Nazi guy. But Anyway, okay. so it was enough to be like, I can do this. And so, as, so as soon as she left, I moved into the home of the only friend that I knew that wasn't in the church that I was close enough to say, like, I need to live at your house for the summer. And then I went okay. to college. <clears throat> wow. And that's, and that's how I got out <laughs> of, of the moves. So last part of the story, which I really want to wrap up because it's yeah. important. How did we find out this guy was a Nazi? So yeah. fast forward, like a year or two later, um, by this point, all my siblings are out. 
I ended up going back to my house and helping my dad get a restraining order against this lady and kick her out. And then little by little, wait, wait, wait. My... Uh, your dad got a restraining order against his wife, ex-wife wife. or whoa. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause she was that bad. And after I left, then my brother ran away. And then my sister was like getting close to running away. And so I talked to my dad while I was in college on the phone. I was like, dad, do you really want all of your kids to leave because of this marriage? And, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, I went down and like, anyway, I helped, we got her kicked out. And then basically oh. the, we were out, the kids were out. My dad never really left. He's always to his dying day believed in some young mm. but at least yeah. he wasn't like actively trying to keep us, you know? Yeah. So okay. I think it was, I think it was cause there was so much trauma. He was just like, yeah, whatever, just, mm. just go, you know? But so fast forward a couple years later, my sister is in college. She's in a, her undergraduate degree. And she is watching a, a, a documentary um, on the college campus, like a movie documentary about the neo-Nazi movement. And this guy, his face and his name fucking come up on the screen. What the fuck? And her memories like flood open. She remembers all the abuse. As soon as she sees her face, she runs out of the, the movie room. She throws up. <laughs> and um, now we know that that was part of the story you know we didn't know until that until that point what the fuck (laughs) i know wait wait, and but so i'm assuming your mom split up with this neo-nazi guy like a long time ago when she moved to england so he actually i think he ended up dying actually and he moved to then she moved to england and got therapy and was okay 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 yeah what yeah, she wasn't f- in she she wasn't in our childhood at all but okay. i have a relationship with her now yeah because she got me out you know yeah okay so. and what's that i want to i want to kind of i mean that's an incredible story and i mean yeah but i also want to like pivot a bit and just kind of talk about like what it's what it's like now like what's we've, we've talked mm-hmm. a little bit about mm-hmm. it earlier but like what's life like now with your with your parents well with with your mother I I understand your your father has passed away but like mm-hmm. with your mother and like what is what does life look like like you've been through an awful lot and I'm just kind of wondering like what that's you know what that looks like yeah so I, I'm really glad you asked because I wanted to talk about this piece too because mm. I feel like it's really important for people that are leaving cults to understand that that, <laughs> that you, you don't just leave <laughs> you know yeah. you got to work on that stuff so yeah. what happened to me was that I, I didn't have any resource. Like nobody even knew that I was in a cult. Like all the people that I was with in college and after, like, I didn't even like tell my story. Like I wasn't even truthful about my name until I was 27 years old. Mm. Cause people would ask me and I would have the concocted lie that I would say, Oh, somebody that was really close to my dad, who was a spiritual influence that he highly respected named me. Mm. It was a traditional Korean thing or something. I don't know. Like, so I didn't even tell the truth about that. So I was, I was still in, in that way for the next 10 years. And it wasn't until I was 27 and I moved to San Francisco that I actually started talking about like telling the truth about my name and then talking a little bit about my experiences. Yeah. And it was great because when I moved to San Francisco, I would say, well, I was, I was raised in a cult and they gave me this name 
And sometimes people would be like, oh, I was raised in a cult too. (laughs) (laughs) That's San Francisco for you. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. That's, Um, I don't think that's ever happened to me. I don't think that's ever happened to me. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that would be a cool, really a cool, that would be a cool conversation to have, but I don't think I've ever, I've ever had it. Like, obviously this show is its own thing, but like, just kind of like out in the wild, like encountering another one of us, like, no, nah, it hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and, and these weren't people like in the Mooney cult. These were people yeah. from other cults, right? Yeah. So, so the impact psychologically for me was that I was still in that real denial, like don't talk about it, shame mm. place for a long time. And it affected my relationships. I got into so many awful relationships. I was still really not even out about my sexuality that much or mm. about my gender until I moved to San Francisco and I got involved and, you know, there were, there's a lot of really accepting, wonderful um, community out there. But yeah. even in that situation, I ended up being... I ended up marrying, well, getting together and marrying a narcissist Mm. because that's how I was trained. I was trained. I was trained to, so even though I knew I could be myself at that point, I still had the indoctrination that you, the person you are with is a person that you don't want to be with. Mm. Like that's who you're supposed to be. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Exactly. And and actually this is, this is, this is, I I want to drive, drive, dive into a couple points here. So that, that point there. So number one, we were taught, I just want to make it clear. We were taught like, you should be with someone that you don't like being with because yes. you you will offer God and true parents a spiritual victory by overcoming the your dislike of that person for the sake of of God and providence. Effectively, that's like the short version of it. But it was taught yeah. to us that like we are the people we should be with are people that we, we're not attracted to and the people that we don't like for whatever reason. So no, that that was part of it. Yeah. Um, but I also want to say like you know you you accepted this relationship like years after mm-hmm. you had left um and yeah i think that's really <laughs> that's really telling and this goes back to my whole thing about like do i have a mental disorder like d- just just trying to examine like what are the impacts of of this cult on me now and if you're if you're even if you're if you're out of it 5 10 20 years like what are the ramifications? What are the, what are the, the costs that like, uh, you know, that it's, that it's imposed on you in terms of unhealthy relationships in terms of Lord knows what else, but like, yeah, those hooks are stuck in you for life basically. And um, I just, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's really, it, it kind of points to a lot of the, the, the stuff that we've been talking about. Like you can, you can leave, but have, have you ever truly left? If you end up getting into, into toxic relationships, because that's, what's been modeled for you. Like you're still getting abused by these fucking motherfuckers basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. And for me, it was because it felt familiar. Yeah. Like I even remember when I met this person, I was like, Oh my gosh, there's something so familiar about them. They just like feel like home. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> you know, like yeah. my home is, was really fucked up. Like, I don't know. Why yeah. But I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't grasp that at that point. Yeah. So since then I'm in the middle of, I'm almost finished with my graduate degree and I've done a lot more work on myself and a shit ton more therapy. Mm. And, you know, like I know now, like, oh, like I get to be with someone who treats me nicely, Mm. (laughs) you know, and respects my boundaries. Yeah. You know? It's funny. It's like, they're just these kind of like basic building blocks of like respect that we just were not like, 
we weren't we weren't just not taught we were taught the opposite yeah we were taught not to yeah like hold those boundaries yeah Yeah. and those that's still really like you know disentangling but I do feel like like for me I have a relationship with my mother that's outside of the church which Mm -hmm. is amazing um I'm so grateful for that and there's still like a lot of learning and growing that we're doing um but like you know there's like there's something about like healthy relationships heal right so Mm -hmm. if you can figure like somehow I was able to figure out what I needed who I was and I'm not saying that my journey is over by any means but like I was able to figure out how to fight for myself you know and how to advocate Mm -hmm. for myself um and how to speak up when my boundaries were crossed yeah you know um and that's something that like I can't believe I'm saying this, but like, if you really take the time to get to know yourself and of course, like date and stuff like that and have lots of sex and like really explore. But like, if you really take the time to get to know yourself before you really, before you get into a committed relationship, then I think there's a better chance that you'll get into a healthy relationship Mm -hmm. where you can actually experience that healthy dynamic. But it's not going to, it's not going to feel familiar unless you have a, so for me, my help, my, the healthiest attachment figure that I had in my family in my upbringing was my brother. He and I were like really close and we looked out for each other. And so when I met someone who reminded me of him, I mm. took that as a good sign, you know, instead of meeting someone who reminded me of, you know, <laughs> I don't know, my dad or like <laughs> the, yeah. the other people in the church community or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. There's way, everybody has their own ways, but you know, I don't, I don't want to like, I don't want to make it sound like it's not possible to heal. Like, I really love my life. I have an awesome life and I have mm. awesome relationships and friends and I'm not really in touch with anybody in the church except for you mm. and you're not in the church anymore. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. Actually, there's other people too, but it's not like I like, you know, yeah. like I, I don't know. I think it's, it's possible. It's definitely possible to heal. Yeah. Is and what I'm I think, to say. yeah, no, I think <laughs> that's really good for people to hear, to hear that. Like it's, it's possible. Um, Cause it can feel impossible in, in a lot of ways. It can just feel like this, this boulder that you're pushing up a hill. That's never gonna, that's never going to get there and it's going to crush you. And it just, yeah, it's it's good. Yeah. It's good to hear, and I can I can tell in your voice, like you're you're, and and in your face, like it's it's genuine. Like you're, mm. you do feel <laughs> like genuinely, like really really happy in in yourself and in your in your place, and that's that's really awesome to to see and to and to feel. And I hope that that comes through in the audio and on, and on the video. Yeah, I hope so too. I'm not I'm not saying like <laughs> I'm not trying to sell anything. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not a hundred percent. No, you're like, like, yeah, <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, I'm just thinking about like all those, like, you know, like in the, in the cult, like stories, you know, like I'm thinking about like, I just, wa- I just watched this um, documentary um, called pray away. And about oh, I've seen therapy. it. I've seen it on conversion therapy. Yeah. 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 And they had all these like testimonials of someone being like, oh, I didn't think I could not be gay, but I have a great life and I'm yeah, married yeah. to, you know, this woman. Yeah. And <laughs> Yeah. But then you can see on their face, you're like, no, 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 no. Uh, like you can just tell, you can, you can hundred yeah. percent tell. Yeah. 
they don't look healthy or happy. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I've seen that. And it looks horrible. Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty horrific. Did you, so you, you mentioned, I think you mentioned conversion therapy before. Did you, were you subjected to any of that or did you avoid it? Thankfully I avoided it, but I okay. do remember hearing about it and steering way clear of it. Like I remember mm. my parents talking about one of their spiritual sons who was, I don't remember exactly how they put it, but was gay and how he had to go to a special place because, you know, that's not really how, you know, mm. that's not, that's not the reality of like what, you know, what is yeah. right. It's not right. And like, he yeah. needed help. He was struggling. Um, and I was like, oh shit, I'm never killing anybody. I'm never killing attractions <laughs> yeah, to like, anybody else but male people. <laughs> like, I'm never talking about that again. Never, um, never. <laughs> um, God, we, yeah, we've covered a lot of ground here. I, I feel like we should probably start wrapping up just because I, it's getting late over here in my time, but I feel like we could, we could just yeah. like have this whole, we, we could have another two, three hour conversation easily. And we, we should probably do that again at some point, but I just, I just wondered if you had any, like, kind of like, um, I'm, I'm looking over my notes here now. Uh, I'm just kind of wondering if you had any, any like specific things you wanted to address. And, and I, yeah, I just, I just wanted to make sure we don't leave any, like any Avenue mm-hmm. unexplored. If there's anything, anything you want to, you want to talk about before we, before we wrap up. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that I, I'm sure there that I'm going to be like, Oh, I should have mentioned that mm. or whatever afterwards, but I think the only thing that comes to mind right now is that I didn't really talk about the racism. Mm. Um, okay. in yeah. the interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, and we don't have to talk very long and we can definitely pick it up later if mm. you know, as we're available. But, um, I just remember it's so interesting because, you know, I'm white and like European, <clears throat> but for a long time, I thought that I might be part Korean, especially after all those like stories came out about Moon and other people having more children, you mm. know. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I like so when I was pregnant, I'm a parent as well, and it would be great to talk about that too. I loved how yeah, you yeah. oh yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but um, but when I was pregnant, I got this really weird like condition at the end of my pregnancy okay um and it's like this thing where you get so itchy like way itchier than a regular pregnancy that's like the main okay. symptom okay <laughs> um but anyway it was like in one percent of pregnant people get it <clears throat> and I was told by my midwife and doctor that eventually they figured out what it was and they said that only one percent of the population gets it and they're usually Asian and I was like, huh, but the reason I'm sharing this and I did do my DNA. So I know I'm not part Korean, but for a okay. long time, I thought maybe I was Okay. <laughs> um, like maybe my mom, you know, I don't know, had sex with one, one of yeah. the people who gave me my, my name or something Yeah. or was raped or whatever. But, um, but, but the, the racism piece for me is like, even in that moment, like even when I was like, this internal uh, internalized racism of like Korean is like the absolute master race. Mm. Like, even in that moment where I thought I was Korean, I was like super excited. I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I might be, 
I might be part Korean. I might be, and I didn't like link it to the master race, but like that's where it came from, mm. right? I definitely. And I remember times when I was a kid, Wait, and, like, and so I really it, wanted to be. How old is your kid? So, like, how how many years ago did this happen? When you when you thought when you had oh, that thought, my kid is seven. So it's only seven years ago. So you've left the church like yeah. fucking years and years ago. And then all of a yeah. sudden this like this like remote possibility of maybe I'm Korean comes in and you're like, oh my God, oh my God, like maybe I'm the yeah. master race. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I didn't think I, maybe I'm the master race, but yeah. like the 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 excitement yeah. that it for me was disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh. Like anybody else would be like, what the fuck? What, what, what else happened to my mom? You know? Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but I was like, oh, maybe I'm Korean. That was my first thought. Fuck. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. No, no. And that's, uh, we, we've talked about that in other, in other places on this show. Just, yeah, there is this, mm-hmm. this racial hierarchy within the show. Uh, or sorry, no, not within the show, within, within the cult. Um, and yeah it exists on all there's a lot of like various axes to it and various like gradations along those axes but i mean korean the yeah. korean man is like the top of the, the, the creme de la creme, creme basically and then everything else falls under that. yeah exactly exactly yeah if you yeah, were a gay um, korean man it would like you would just tumble tumble like 10 steps down the ladder basically um we would have never heard about him yeah exactly <laughs> exactly that's how far down you'd go just they would just disappear yeah 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 um i i don't know if have you ever had i haven't heard this, this story from anybody else but i've always wondered like because when i was younger like i was so indoctrinated like I really wanted to be if I like when before I decided that I didn't want to be matched I really wanted to be matched with somebody Korean Mm. and um and I would like look in the mirror and I would be like oh if my eyes were just like a little bit more like this (laughs) I would be perfect (laughs) it would be like I would look so much better (laughs) oh my god no I I never thought of I I never I never had those feelings but I do remember and I'm fucking cringing inside just thinking about this but like this idea of like oh my god if I'm like really really good and I do everything right maybe I could get like married into like the true family uh yes but here's the thing that's a fucking pipe dream because I'm white (laughs) <laughs> like there's yeah, no way they never, only marry Korean never. but I didn't know yeah. that I wasn't I didn't I didn't understand how <laughs> I didn't understand the, the the racism but like but I know I never had a chance to begin with but I thought I had I thought I had a minuscule chance and the sad thing is how much I wanted to make that chance a reality um mm-hmm. yeah I remember I remember that sentiment yeah Man, I had that too and I think it's a really for me now it's a really um interesting conversation on um like privilege because Mm. you know i live in a society where the way that i look i'm treated with certain privileges because i am white you know and because i am female presenting like nobody knows that i'm actually trans unless Mm. i tell them because everybody just assumes that i'm a girl yeah um and so um it's been a really interesting journey around yeah like (laughs) like most people that look like me grew up with this privilege mm. of being white, yeah. you know? Um, and so in, in a weird way, I don't know, it's, it's just, it's given me some perspective to be in a situation yeah. 
as a child where I wasn't part of the dominant mm. race, you know, like the, the race and the culture that was looked upon. Um, mm, that's interesting. I hadn't quite thought, favor. yeah. I hadn't quite, mm-hmm. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, maybe it's it, like, you think you're yeah. like a prince or a princess or whatever, when you're in, right. And you think yeah. you're special for that reason. Right. And then for me as a presenting, as a female presenting person, like young person in Texas, where there's like a lot of misogyny, I got a lot of attention mm. after I left the church because all of a sudden I'm in like the dating pool, you mm. know? Um, and there was like, it was weird. It was like a, a privilege that I never, like I never knew existed, <laughs> mm. you know, and it was also a curse. I mean, I got like harassed a lot, Yeah. but, um, but yeah, it's just, it's just crazy to, it's just, I think, I think it's worth, I think talking about privilege in general is a worthy conversation. Yeah, I think so. And it's, it's something that kind of, um, I don't know, it exists specifically within, I mean, clearly it exists in the real world, like the, the non-cult world, I should say. <laughs> but but within the cult it exists on its own its own its own yeah. like set of parameters as well and yeah. and, and it's something that I, I may have mentioned this on the show before but it's something that that I've kind of felt like um even just talking with other people on the show like I you and I come from this this generation of kids who who um our parents were the 1800 couple blessings uh or sorry, mm-hmm. 1800 couple blessing and our parents were revered by, by parents who joined later, later on. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, whilst we've all, each of us has had our own, our own struggles. Um, we also had a little, had, had privilege within the organization as, as well as a, as a result, or certainly I feel, I, I won't, I won't put words in your mouth, but certainly I feel like mm-hmm. in certain ways I was privileged within this crazy cult situation that I was in. And there are people that came in later, um, who had it worse in, in, in certain ways. And I can, I can recognize that now, especially after having a lot of these, a lot of these conversations. And I also think to your point mm-hmm. about the racial hierarchy, like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I was, okay. I wasn't, I wasn't Korean. So I wasn't like the top of the, the, the top of the charts racially, but also I wasn't Japanese. I wasn't black. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the, I actually, I, I, I did have privilege within that as well. Um, mm-hmm. totally. and, and, um, <clears throat> that's a thing that I recognize more and more, the more of these conversations I have, the more I recognize how many layers, layers there are to that. And, and, um, yeah, yeah, there's just, there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot of layers, layers to that. Mm-hmm. I think, I think probably like an overarching theme is about power and power dynamics mm-hmm. here too. You know, like the moon's used whatever racism, misogyny, whatever, like <laughs> their own power dynamics to, keep, yeah. you know, to keep power keep control and that's what racism to me is about too you know like it just in general um that's what oppression is about yeah (laughs) you know um but yeah (laughs) i don't know uh, i don't know anybody else in in i don't know anybody else in my life except for people in the cult that grew up being white wanting to be korean (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a very, very specific um, thing to want in your life. Um, that's, that's a very specific type of racism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and to like, yeah. the, but also part of it is like, is like, okay, I want to be Korean, but okay, maybe if I can't be Korean, if I could at least just marry a Korean, 
then yeah. I would be like, yeah. that's like that, 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 that's like the next best thing. Right. Basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Dude. Fuck that. It's like, yeah. Fuck. Cause I, yeah, yeah I, I do remember feeling that at certain points in my life. Like yeah, if I could be so blessed to be, you know, married to a Korean. God. Yeah. And it also makes me wonder what it was like to be a person of color um, in the, in the cult, mm. you know, like what, what that perspective was like what, what crazy power and racism dynamics were there yeah you know if you were black if you were um you know mexican or hispanic or yeah um because that's its own form of trauma it's another right thing yeah yeah that that's you know? another i'd like to i'd like to dive deeper on on into that so i guess this is like an open invitation to the audience if anyone I can shed some light on that and wants to offer some perspectives hit me up I'd love to talk about that because I know it's a thing it's not a thing that I can offer any particular like expertise on but other people have lived through that and if they mm-hmm. want to come on I would love to have them on mm-hmm. yeah um, um okay I think we should wrap up here um but okay. again, just like last, last two minutes, anything, anything else you want to address or, or anything you think we should cover? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm spent. I don't think I have yeah. anything. Okay. I'd love to leave this on a, like a... <laughs> different note massive high note sucks. like uh, <laughs> but, uh, cult racism suck racism sucks um yeah but i um, feel like i'm kind of empty at this point it's been no, that's cool that's long, cool this has been a long conversation this has been a long conversation but it's been it's been wonderful um yes so um I'm going to, I'm going to hit stop recording in a second, but let's keep the session open. Cause I want to, I want to follow up with you on a few things. Um, so, okay. uh, cool. Thank you so much. And, uh, I'm looking forward to this going out and, um, yeah, for any audience people have questions. When I think about that interview, I think about, the the common thread between that one and the conversation I had with Yosei Sama the two interviews that I've done with queer folks from the Moonies, and both of them had a moment where someone, a so-called outsider, really lended them a helping hand where they, when they really needed it. And I'd just like to say thank you to all those unsung heroes. You may not even know who you are, but some people out there have really, really positively impacted the lives of us kids who grew up in a pretty fucking shitty situation. So for all you people out there who provided those helping hands, if you know it, then great. If you don't know it, I still want to thank you. And for the people that will do that in the future, thank you as well. Thank you to Yab for having an amazing conversation here. As I said in the introduction, I think I learned more about myself in this conversation than in any other conversation. Thank you to you, the listener, for being here on this journey and wherever you are in your journey. I hope you're doing all right. And I'm going to give you a little advice that Yeb actually gave me. Yeb told me to slow it down. They specifically told me that they had trouble binging my podcast, which is completely fair because it's some hard shit to deal with. So don't feel like you have to binge it. Take it at your own pace. It's going to be here for a while. Having said that, if you would like to binge it, 
you should really check out the next episode, which is coming in two weeks on the 21st of June. That's part one in my series of interviews with John Gorenfeld, the author of Bad Moon Rising. It's sort of an anti-book review on Cass because after nearly 15 years post-publication of that book, John isn't really trying to sell any more copies, so he's happy to look at it and poke some holes in it. And it was an amazing conversation looking at the Unification Church through the lens of someone who examined it more closely than any other outsider I think ever has and really focused on the money, the politics, and the power. That's a tremendous interview that's coming in two weeks. Between now and then, if you'd like to support the show, I would love to see some support on Patreon, patreon.com slash fallingoutpod. Patreon members get access to regular supporter meetups. We did that recently. That was quite fun. They also get access to video episodes. Everything you hear recorded is also done in video format there, and people can listen to it there. Finally, I'd like to say thank you to the helping hands behind the scenes, to Mr. Teddy Hose for the graphic design and to Luciana Strait for the portraiture. Contact details for both of them will be in the show notes. Thank you so much. Be safe. See you soon. Bye-bye.